Hi, and a warm welcome to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. I am Jennifer Rose. And I am Inga Larissa. Together we are Whiskey Sisters. We would love you to join our weekly adventures. Come on, let us rock your whiskey world. There'll be lots of news, gossip, bottle releases, and we will be raising our glasses through the tastiest of drams. We'll be hosting expert guests, hitting the road, and visiting some of the distilleries near you. And let's not forget dropping in some cheeky whiskey facts. Join our whiskey journey. A warm welcome to all our new listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are very glad to have you. And for those return customers, hello, our whiskey pals. Today, we will be talking about prohibition and some weird and wonderful things that happened during it. And we're jassing up this week's Drum and Fire section, and we will be featuring three different snack pairings with our whiskey. So three pairings each. So making you all hungry. But before we go any further, let's catch up on the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. Whiskey byproducts have proved to be good for keeping the skin healthy, new research has found. A study by a university found placing the nutrients and polyphenols from scotch in skincare products can help boost the skin, reduce inflammation and puffiness and calm redness. The research was initially inspired by the beneficial effects in the skin that the sake yeast fermentation process was proven to have by a Japanese company in the 1970s. Hianka, just a few episodes ago we were talking about how smash we looked in winter and, <laughs> and you were super pale and I looked like Gollum from Lord of the Rings so this is all good news isn't it? Exactly and we can keep the whiskey team going. <laughs> Definitely. Researchers at Robert Gordon University School of Pharmacy and Life Sciences in Aberdeen helped discover that pot ale residue commonly used for animal feed provides antioxidant benefits in skin care. The scientists believe it is the first time that whiskey byproduct has been used to investigate the antioxidant capacity on cells. Inverness natural skincare firm Zaza and Cruz was involved in research and now uses the ingredient in its products. Zaza yeah. and Cruz, if you want to send us any samples, we'll slather them on our chops. Yes, <laughs> that's a good, good one. Yeah, I think it's a kind of nice alternative way of using whiskey byproducts. Definitely. The owner of Tony Walker is researching non-alcoholic alternatives to whiskey and rum. Um, Diageo has some ideas in the pipeline for non-alcoholic brown spirits. Diageo is the world's biggest producer of Scotch whiskey, owning distilleries including Talisker, Lagavuling, and brands such as Johnny Walker. In recent years, it has been developing non-alcoholic versions of some of its best-selling brands like Guinness, Gordon's, and Tanqueray. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure if I would want to drink non-alcoholic whiskey. Do you know it's what? It's not going to taste as good, is it? I've seen quite a few non alcoholic drinks being launched in recent years so it certainly seems to be a, a growing market and part of me thinks what's the point in that but I guess there are lots of people that want to be out and social and drinking maybe not just like fizzy you know coca-cola and whatever and, and want to try it or people that are maybe in alcohol recovery if they might have had difficulties with alcohol so I kind of think yeah that there's maybe a, a real need for that in the market but like yeah. I, agree, I agree with you I wouldn't fancy trying it. There is quite quite a few like you said and a lot, a lot of them are gin or like I've tried quite a few that are nice but it's not something that I use that much but I'm just like whiskey I don't know just whiskey is such a special it's different when it comes to gin and it's just botanicals and that kind of flavors but I don't know so I wonder how it's made yeah I guess they will just use different flavors too I don't know yeah I'm not excited for that <laughs> 
Did you see the university student in London who brought the bottle of Macallan to a lecture? No, I didn't. What was that all about? <laughs> oh my god! It was. It went viral on TikTok. Someone filmed him on TikTok, but now it's been removed. Basically, this guy just showed up at lecture with his little laptop, and he was on his phone, like typing and stuff. And he had a half drank bottle of Macallan <laughs> with like a really cool whiskey class. You know, those one with the stem that we tried at the or we used at the Glen Turret. Yeah. You know, fancy looking ones so he had one of those and it was filled with whiskey <laughs> and he's like... just sipping away having a bit of a gentle dram while he's studying I which know, is during it, a lecture it's so it's funny probably all right if you're studying in the house not so much in public yeah it's just <laughs> the rules you're not supposed to bring alcohol to university it's quite funny McAllen. Inca other sad news that's not whiskey related but it's gen related is that Ozzy Osbourne's announced that he's not doing any more world tours and I'm really sad. I know. I saw your post on your stories. <sighs> I just love Ozzy so much and I think it's good news if, you know, because I think touring must be a bit hardcore and he's like in his 70s and has health issues and has nearly yeah. died about 10 times. <laughs> so I want yeah. him to like stay healthy and alive as long as possible. But selfishly, I'm like, devastated yeah i think he had like a i think it was four years ago he had massive back injury or something yeah. like that didn't he so i think touring is quite a tough job yeah i'm sticking my nose into that news even though it's not whiskey news <laughs> so you're aware of my fragile heart during the recording of this episode yeah The 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution, commonly known as Prohibition, took effect on January 17th, 1920, <laughs> <laughs> prohibiting the manufacture, transportation and sale of intoxicating beverages. National Prohibition effectively pulled the plug on a distilled spirits industry that in 1919 had been worth $365 million in taxes, being the majority of the 3,000 odd distilleries closed their doors never to reopen again. <gasps> That's also just so sad. But how did the prohibition impact the Scotch whisky industry? So let me tell you. Scots export declined less than 3% between 1920 and 1932. So the impact was very minimal actually and during this time, the reputation of Scotch whisky improved in the US, giving the spirit a huge advantage for when prohibition actually finally were repealed in 1933. And unlike bourbon, which was stamped on and uh, bathtub gin, Scotch was renowned for its quality. The only problem was, unlike local moonshine, Scotch had to somehow cross the border into the US for drinkers to enjoy and buy. According to Scotch Whisky, a liquid history by Charles McLean, rather than break the law and anger the US government, Scotch whisky exporters targeted territories neighbouring the United States. So upon delivery to ports in Mexico, Canada, British Guyana, the West Indies, particularly the Bahamas, St. Pierre and Milkion, not sure if I'm saying that correctly, locals would turn a blind eye to what was happening. And exports to these destinations boomed. So in 1922, both Canada and the West Indies experienced a 400% increase 
Greece and Scotch imports. Exports to Bermuda saw a staggering 4,000% hike, while the Bahamas and Greece peaked at over 40,000%. Whoa! Off the scale! The small French islands of Saint-Pierre and Milichon off the west coast of Newfoundland imported 119,000 gallons of scotch that same year, which isn't bad considering the territories had a combined population of 6,000 people. Wow, they've been like drowning in whiskey. Yeah, what effect must that have had on the population? Were they getting their mitts on bottles? I hope they were. You'd just kind of put some aside, wouldn't you? I would think so. So from this location, ships set to sail for America loaded with Scotch whiskey, as well as other famous European and Caribbean alcohol beverages. They stopped between 3 to 12 miles from the coast and unloaded their cargoes onto awaiting speedboats that could dodge the US Coast Guard. Um, and obviously, Scotch whiskey producers had to increase their prices to cover the cost of all the hassle. And Scotch producers were worried that their spirits might be tampered with or cut before they reached consumers just to kind of create more spirit. Led by the distillers company Limited, a trade cartel founded in Scotland in 1877 to control whiskey prices, a number of prominent producers came together to form a special organisation. And it was this organisation who would then control the prices and the quality, regulate credit and vet customers who would be required to take a proportion of standard brands alongside some cheaper ones. They even had an intelligence network. This is like, I love this. So intelligence network who would check that the whiskey bought from other markets did not find its way to the bootleggers and customers who preached the regulations could be deprived of supplies and credit. So they basically sent like spies in all these different places from Scotland and they would then like monitor what's happening and who's you know what they're doing with the scotch when it arrives. Undercover whiskey pros do you think they got fake names? (laughs) Definitely I want to be one of those. I know me too I used to like when I was daydreaming think yeah and if I had to be a secret agent I would want my name to be Tabitha Wildheart but that's that's (laughs) maybe not (laughs) (laughs) that's it if I was called up to be a secret agent for my super skills of um you know my combination of skills what's that where that name come from i don't know just my wild imagination but it's maybe not the most inconspicuous of names and now i've said it in the podcast so <laughs> if i become a spy in later later in life i'll need to think of a new moniker is moniker the right word for that <laughs> I don't know. You're like asking the wrong person. Focus, Jen, focus. By all means, the intended customers were the criminal organisations running the illicit liquor trade. The combined or Big Seven group was formed to maintain the peace between rival gangs during Prohibition and streamline the distribution of alcohol. Members of the Big Seven included the likes of Charles Lucky Luciano and Frank Costello, an Italian-American in charge of Scotch distribution. Costello formed a relationship with Scotch blender and spirits merchant William Whiteley and helped to smuggle his blends into the United States via Saint-Pierre. By the time of repeal, Whiteley's King Ransom blend was one of the world's most famous and expensive bottles. By 1930, the Scotch whisky industry's involvement in bootlegging had become something of an open secret, much like the alcohol consumption in America itself. There was so much kind of criminality going on wasn't there and exactly have you watched the tv show boardwalk empire no i know exactly the one you're talking about though but i haven't watched (gasps) it oh my god you have to watch it there's like five series but it's 
amazing. It's so well done and mm-hmm. they got amazing cast and the style is very cool. So it's set in Atlantic City and there's lots of like historical characters like the mm-hmm. Lucky Luciano, Al Capone, you know, the Scarface mm-hmm. guy, mm-hmm. Um, Arnold Rothstein from New York and all these like gangs. The first series starts at the beginning of Prohibition and then on season five they end like when the Prohibition ends. Oh, but it's just like cool. all these gangs, there's like trying to get whiskey made and doing this and that and it's very cool i must watch it on a much trashier television note i was i sent you a message didn't i I was watching one of the real housewives (laughs) so it's some spin-off of that crazy show and the housewives were having a prohibition party and they were all dressed up 1920 style and they were drinking whiskey out of the cask and they had a burlesque dancer <laughs> and stuff I actually looked quite good fun yeah that's a good idea for like a new year's party or something yeah i'm um, actually talking about the criminals i found this kind of fact earlier as well that in 1927 alone al capone made about 60 million dollars in just that one year by selling alcohol so obviously the criminals were just making shit tons of money and the government was not making much at all wow i get bet there was lots of corruption throughout the different sort of agencies and things and so much was happening i'd love to hear you know if people have stories that maybe aren't as mainstream that you can't find in research it'd be so cool to to hear them also doctors could apply for a license to write prescriptions for medical liquor mainly whiskey or brandy and that's when a lot of the peated whiskey would like scotch whiskey would be prescribed as a medicinal because it's kind of of course actually obviously like Lafroy Lagavulin does taste quite medicinal anyway yeah yeah for um, sure it just makes perfect sense doesn't yeah. it Exactly. And patients could then get the alcohol from the chemist, like similar now it would be medical marijuana. Marijuana? Marijuana? <laughs> Pot. Pot, yeah. <laughs> it is estimated that during the first year of prohibition, doctors prescribed around 64 million pints of liquor. Bloody hell. But yeah, and so the chemists were basically working like liquor stores and these allowed these companies to grow. So the Walgreen pharmacy chain, for example, grew from 20 to nearly 400 shops between 1920 and 1933. That's amazing. If if we were doing the same nowadays, we could put the whiskey product skincare cream in those same pharmacies. (laughs) Yeah, and then there's like a secret bottom that you open and you can have a little shot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's also obviously many odd beliefs and misinformation within the pro-prohibition supporters. The most bizarre ones, um, for example, are that alcohol Alcohol turns your blood to water. That's like doesn't make any sense at all. Wine was made with cockroaches. Well, actually, they did used to use like crushed insects to create the color of like Campari oh, and things like that. Did they? Mm-hmm. Uh, your brain would f- catch fire by drinking. Dram on fire. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Another level. Your liver could grow to twenty-five pounds. Whoa. What, like swelling liver? Yeah, that's hefty. And last but not least, unborn children could be harmed merely by secondhand smelling of alcohol. Whoa. So uh, the rumor mill was, you know, giving yeah. it. And these days, people just like, well, I don't think they do it anymore. But at one point, weren't people like dipping their babies' dummies into a whiskey so then they would sleep better? <laughs> <laughs> not during prohibition. Speakeasies were really popular, with even some serving food and having 
bands perform live. New York City was home to about 100,000 of them and Chicago had about 7,000. At the end of all, it's estimated that prohibition cost the American government over $11 billion in lost tax revenue and another $300 million were spent trying to reinforce and enforce that. Oh, it's just such big figures, isn't it? And way back then as well. Exactly. And on the boardwalk empire, they just, they have all these kind of police officers trying to keep up with everything, but it's totally impossible. And then they all just end up taking lots of bribes anyway. What do you think about like the 1920s? Would you like to have lived that time, you know, with all the cold style and dancing? And When I was a little girl, I used to love the movie Bugsy Malone. Do you know the one I'm talking about with um, Jodie Foster was a child actress and it's all these little kids around that time and they're on little pedal cars and they've got little fake guns (laughs) so I was obsessed with that film when I was little and it was all about that era so I thought that looked quite cool however if I had a time machine it wouldn't be my first era to go back to what about you? Yeah I do quite enjoy like watching it on TV and stuff because they always seem to have really cool parties and they're just totally out of control (laughs) (laughs) quite a decadent time yeah yeah but yeah i would like to experience it i guess good times well the closest you'll get is your new year's prohibition party inca oh yeah prohibition is the only amendment to the constitution to have ever been repealed by 1933 lawmakers said whoops never mind and repealed prohibition with the 21st amendment it's the first time in u.s history lawmakers have ever backtracked on an item in the constitution Dram on fire. Okay, so today we are pairing whiskies with snacks. We tried to like have snacks that would be reasonably easily available across the globe. I'm surprised I think it's taken us to episode 43 to add in some snacks. <laughs> yeah. That's true. We're lucky enough to have listeners in loads of countries. Most are in the UK, then about half are in America, but we're scattered all over the place. But we thought we would go for snacks. Yeah, you know, I counted the other day how many different countries our podcast is listened to. And do you, can, can you guess? Oh, tell me, Inc. I'm excited to know. 101. <gasps> I know, insane. That is insane. Do you know one of my latest obsessions? You know how I'm so obsessed with America and you know how on the website we can access, you can see how many people have been Mm -hmm. listening in what area. So I'm going on the American states and they're like, oh, look how many have listened in California. Oh, (laughs) look at that. In Ohio, in Colorado. And I'm becoming a wee bit obsessed at looking at that. So I need to just chill. (laughs) We love our listeners in all of those 101 countries. How cool. But so we can't guarantee that you can get these snack pairings or these whiskies in every country, unfortunately. But we did our best. So we just do like one by one and I'll just, I'll start with my first one and then we go from there. So kick us off. I love olives and obviously being in Italy, just that's like snack food that I eat a lot. So my local shop, corner shop, has amazing olives. Like they do all this like garlic stuffed and things like that. But I didn't want to mix the garlic with whiskey because I don't know that really if that works. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I bought these dark olives, you know, the brown olives. With with the stones in or out? In, yeah, in the shop. Like they do their own mix. So they have like dark olives and green olives mixed with capers and like some red peppers and some herbs. 
They're really, Ooh, really nice. They so nice. While I was doing the research, I found loads of whiskies that don't go well with olives. <laughs> can can I, you remember any that didn't go with them? For example, last week's Old Pulteney. Oh my God. Not good. It was so bad. It didn't work at all. I didn't want to just like start testing every single whiskey that I have. But anyway, so I left the green olives because I couldn't find anything that was exceptional. But the dark olives went really well with the whiskey seller um, has released this single cask. Tininic? Tininic? <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Anyway, Tininic? Tinini. Sorry, I can't, well, can't even help you. I'm, I'm leaving you hanging there. I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> well, anyway, 12-year-old. And it's a single ex-bourbon hawk's head. It was bottled at 58.2% um, ABV. And Tinini whiskey is normally used blends. So it's, you know, only independent bottlers sometimes have these like single casks but mm -hmm. usually like because of the still shapes and stuff it's like oily light and grassy whiskey so this one as well is kind of like japanese garden some citrus there's a little bit of spice but it's kind of nice and light mm -hmm. and if you let the whiskey breathe it worked so well with the olives nice so did you have a wee sip a wee nibble yeah or like a wee sip, wee nibble, wee sip, nice. wee nibble. very nice and did you notice different flavors in the whiskey as you you sipped. Yeah, I think what I liked with this whiskey that you could still taste the whiskey, like the tasting notes of the whiskey, but also like nicely with the the olive was nice and kind of sweet and savory at the same time. But yeah. like I like the idea that you can still really taste the whiskey rather than just like masking a lot of the flavors. If that makes it, sense. Yeah, exactly. Not overpowered. Yeah. And also I did check because this release is from one of the first releases from the whiskey seller, but there's still some bottles available at Master of Mold and Top Whiskies and a few other websites. So in case anyone's interested. Fantastic. Good. And it's very interesting to hear the ones that like it totally didn't work with as well. So what's what's your first okay. one? Okay. So my first whiskey pairing is the chocolate chip cookie. Oh. Yeah. So I'm not talking your artisan posh soft centered chocolate chip cookie or homemade or anything like that i'm talking about your standard maryland type kind of dry with not really proper chocolate just those wee <laughs> tiny flakes of whatever that is good old-fashioned cheap chocolate chip cookie oh you're really <laughs> selling this <laughs> no so i kind of like when i snack i kind of like children's snacks i've not got like a sophisticated snacking palette like you inca now and again i like like a like a nice fancy grown-up food but i kind of like kids food better so this is again this is revealing too much about my personality but i like a chocolate <laughs> see if i need a wee bit of comfort in my soul i have been known to have chocolate chip cookies and still dip them in milk like i'm small. oh gross <laughs> i hate milk <laughs> so i still do that sometimes oh so, is it warm milk or cold milk cold milk nice okay. and cold <laughs> at least drawing and, the line somewhere yeah so that's just like a wee self-soothing you know on adulty thing that I do now and again. It came into my mind that it might just be quite nifty to experiment with that and Glen Scotia 15, bottled at 46% ABV that we have chatted about before. I think it was in our Jingle Drams episode. And we were talking a wee bit about the kind of earthy, fermented, sort of outdoor type aromas. Yeah. But also there was the nice kind of fruity, blackberried, baked bread sweetness on the palate and how it was nicely balanced. So my first pairing is humble chocolate chip cookie and Glen Scotia 15. 
and you can dip it in. It doesn't have the same absorption style as milk. It differs. <laughs> and then I did feel guilty because it's really beautiful whiskey. And, you know, somebody has put a lot of thought into that and bottled it. And it's not cheap like milk. And there was crumbs of biscuit inside the glass. So I did feel a wee bit guilty at that. You could actually have warm milk with whiskey and then dip it in, couldn't you? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The yeah. sweeter and malty flavours then also could work with the... Yeah, so I think that kind of cookie is not sickly sweet or syrupy or gloopy or anything. It's yeah, kind of it's got a bit that, more malty, maybe. It's even. a bit more malty, cheap and drying in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. So I that, that worked very well. Because ah, the whiskey's nice. not too sweet. Yeah. Good whiskey choice too. What's your My, number two? Are you going nice, sophisticated snack? Well, this one is a tuck cheese and tomato biscuit. <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> I love a tuck biscuit. Yes. They always kind of, you know, sometimes you just want something really quite salty, but like yeah. easy. I quite like them because they're always a bit overly salted, aren't they? So for people that don't know the Tuck Biscuit family, it's a kind of cheesy, salty cracker, right? Yeah, they do loads of different flavours, actually. They do just a classic salty one, but then they have different cheesy ones and bacon. Oh, I yeah. actually didn't know there was anything beyond your standard cheesy tuck. Yeah, yeah, there's a, a sour cream and chives or something like that. Mine was... Okay, this is slightly, because they do some sort of tomato versions in the UK and other countries, and they might even do cheese and tomato. But this one was obviously from Italy. So it's Grana Padano and Pomodoro. Grana Padano is Italian hard, crumbly cheese, which oh. has like a nutty and savory flavor profile. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so... Bring me over a packet next time, Anka. Yes, I will, definitely. This worked so well. I have two options, actually. Originally, I got this idea because I loved it with, again, whiskey sellers add more. But mm -hmm. I didn't want to do another whiskey seller pairing. Although if someone has it, try it. Big Pete, blended whiskey. Oh, one of the Douglas Lang whiskeys. Yes, because that's very very peaty but also kind of there's some sweetness made me think of like benriach like a rum cask you know that kind of yes. sweetness in there at least that what came about when i was pairing it with the cracker mm -hmm. and those who don't know big pete is a mix of like ardberg kulila Bowmore, and port ellen it, i don't know it was like a sea salty flavors but the Pete was nicely balanced. Yeah, it was that, really nice. That sounds lovely, actually. That sounds really nice. I wonder if you get, if that's specific to Italy or you can get it further afield. Yeah, but, I think I would try it like any kind of cheesy tuck. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Oh, quite exciting. Okay, so my next option is also a peaty dram. I decided to add an, um, a peaty dram because I wanted to, one of my favourite snacks, if I'm on the sugar is butter kiss toffee popcorn not like the popcorn you would get at the movies it's just sort of mildly sweet the high octane Ooh, sweetness yeah. with like the kind of all coated and yeah. it's like super buttery toffee and it's like hard and it's like almost like sticks to the inside yeah. of your mouth and teeth Ooh. yeah i like that mm. it made me think of the glasgow distillery 
1770 peaty dram because that kind of rich heather peat when we reviewed that I was getting the kind of bonfire charred smoke that was making me think of like toffee apples and autumnal smells so I was curious how that would be and I didn't find it too sweet so although I've got a super sweet tooth I thought I wouldn't like my popcorn with a super sweet dram so I wanted yeah. to see how that would be and I was worried it might be a wee bit sickly I didn't find it sickly but you probably couldn't eat too many of them you would overdose on the sweetness with yeah the and I like the idea with the, that one as well there's still saltiness on the popcorn but then the peat and the savory also yeah, works yeah so that I think that's a good shout I like how you're you're going for all the sweets and I'm going for all the savory I actually <laughs> wanted to go for three sweets because I just because <laughs> I just love sweet the sweet snack so much but I chose one savory to try and balance oh. out a bit yeah well my last one is my also again one of my favorite snacks pistachios oh. although they ruin my nails every time and sometimes when I've just had my nails done, I forget and then I'm just ruining them by opening pistachios. Know, I've not had pistachios for ages. They can be quite hazardous to open and you get some that are just don't open at all. I know. And then I bite it and then it hurts and yeah, <laughs> I regret it every time. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I want to eat it. They are so tasty though. So what have you decided pair well with pistachios? Well, these were toasted pistachios, slightly, lightly salted, not like overly salted because I know sometimes they can be a bit too much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I went with Bullmore, a 10-year-old, the Aston Martin one that we've featured oh. recently. This was very nice. And it was, again, like worked really well that you could get plenty of the notes from the whiskey, but also added a little bit nuttiness, that kind of nice saltiness and the, and the nuttiness of the, what well, the nut, yeah, nuttiness of the nut. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with the sherry influence, Bob Morris obviously was sherry aged. So yeah, I can see good. that working well because pistachios can sometimes, it's like rich maybe isn't the right description, but they've got quite a distinct flavour, haven't they? And is that Bob Moore, is that at 40% ABV? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that working really well. Oh, that makes me want pistachios now, actually. I've not had them for, for a while. Okay, so my third and final pairing for tonight, I have gone for, uh, well, I was going to say a potato chip, a crisp, but I don't know if they are because it's like cheesy watsits, you know, the puffy. Oh, cheese puff. Cheese puff. In the UK, there's a lot of watsits, I think, like Cheetos, that kind of thing. And you know, when you open the bag and you get a big waft of like yeah. kind of puffy cheese smell. It smells like feet. Yeah, or cats. <laughs> Cat's paws, that kind of weird smell. Cat's paws. Yeah, I what? think I think cat's paws sometimes smell a wee bit like Doritos or like cheesy puffs. Oh. Anyway, I'm probably not encouraging anybody's <laughs> appetite right now. I, know, I, thought, I like them, even if they smell weird, and you, they always kind of leave a distinct stink. They are tasty. They're tasty, aren't they? And they're kind of like light and fun and just like, yeah, they're, they're just super tasty. I think they're made from corn, aren't they? Like mice. Yes. Yeah, I think they are puffed corn. And I've paired it with blackened American whiskey. Oh, wow. 
because I love blackened American whiskey so much and I love the balance of it, like the little bit of the kind of rye spice, the kind of berries and some of the citrus notes we chatted about when we reviewed it with Rob back at the start of season two. And I found quite like a malty sweetness, you know, like almost it was making me think of chocolate Maltesers, but I don't find it overly sweet. I just love it. So I thought these cheesy puffs that are kind of savoury, but kind of sweet savoury, would go beautifully and they do amazing that's funny because i wanted to pair something with blackened but then because my my snack options were so savory that i just thought none of them really would go well so i'm glad you did that awesome thanks anka and then my imagination was going but imagine you were sipping on your blackened you were eating your cheese puffs and then you met metallica and it'd be like so embarrassing because you'd be all like covered in the cheesy powder yeah but then they would share this the snacks and they would all be cheesy smelly as well and they'd be like yeah this is now our favorite snack post gig (laughs) exactly you know i'm gonna go and buy some cheese puffs this weekend and do it do it do it do try it with uh with the whiskey awesome. try it with the whiskey let me know oh do you know what i didn't do this is a wee bit scabby i didn't dip a cheese puff in but oh. see see next time when there's a little bit left in the glass i'm gonna do it and see what happens rock and roll we'll rock and roll cheese puff will dissolve into the drink <laughs> and then it'll be like this kind of oily <laughs> cheesy whiskey shot i'm gonna do it yeah. <laughs> do it and report back oh maybe we should do it, like instagram reel yeah why don't we wait till we're together and do some cheese puff blackened experimentation <sighs> fabulous for our new listeners we usually are a wee bit more sensible in this section aren't we and kev this is the first drum and fire people have listened to we do actually just kind of review the whiskey normally we don't want to put off any new viewers with our crazy chat <laughs> yeah yeah we just wanted to jazz it up a little bit yeah, you know who doesn't love a snack who with doesn't your love a alcoholic snack? beverage? Yeah. yeah, a bit of tasty, tasty. Yeah, and also we didn't really want to do cheese and chocolate and stuff just because that's obvious always. Yeah, whiskey sisters, whiskey fact. Okay, we have a few facts about Cutty Sark, as it was a whisky created during Prohibition, and we have previously featured a fact related to the brand. Oh, Inc, have you noticed that Cutty Sark are quite supportive of us on Instagram and they'll click like to a few of our posts? Yes, thank you, Cutty Sark. Thank you, Cutty Sark, with your badass labelling, beautiful yellow labels, and how they were in fact a printing error. Yeah, that was one of our first facts, I think. From season one, yeah. Cutty Sark was made during prohibition and it was during prohibition that it won the taste buds of all americans and here is the fact number one the blended scotch is named after the legendary tea clipper ship cutty sark the fastest ship of its day it was in 1923 that the partners of berry bros and rudd in london came up with the idea of cutty sark blended scotch whiskey they wanted to create lighter style blended scotch and here's fact number two. Cutty Sark was the first naturally light-coloured whiskey in the world. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, crazy. Not that long after Prohibition began, Captain Bill McCoy started smuggling in Rum Row, which is the name given to Atlantic waters just outside the US border. So fact number three. Captain McCoy's reputation for dealing in only the finest liquor resulted in Cutty Sark being referred as the real McCoy. Oh, how cool is that? Is that where that phrase comes from then, the real McCoy? Yeah, yeah. how funny is that? And But there's actually rum now called the real McCoy, isn't it? That's pretty cool. 
Oh, I'm loving this whiskey fact. And finally, fact number four, the Katisark blend is made up of around 20 renowned single malt whiskies, predominantly from the Speyside region in Scotland, which are blended with high quality grain whiskies. And Kavna, have you even tried Katisark? Not yet, have you? No, I know. We need to try. We need to try it with its bright yellow labeling and all of this history. I want to yeah, try it now. And 20 single malts in it. Yeah. It's like an interesting blend. That's a busy bottle. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. Okay, well, that's us almost at the end of another episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And next week, we will have a special guest from Glenfiddich and we will be sampling two of their whiskies. Yum. So while you wait, you can catch up on previous episodes or give us a follow on Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast. Twitter at Whiskey Sisters and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. Oh yeah, we've nearly got 2,000 followers on Instagram now. So come on, tell your pals and ask them to give us a follow. Get us over that 2,000 follower milestone. Do it, do it. Yeah. Have an amazing week. Enjoy your cheese puffs. I will, I will. Thank you. May our glasses be full. And your drams on fire.